Hey friends, James Irish here with a quick note. This is a property that is less than two months old at this point. Spoiler warnings are in massive effect. If you don't want to be spoiled on the experience of watching The Amazing Digital Circus, stop the podcast right here. Go watch it first. It's free on YouTube. You'll enjoy it, I think. Trust me, if it was bad, I wouldn't be putting up this warning. Ladies and gentlemen, normally this is where our opening joke goes, but given the subject matter of the digital circus, where people are turned into digital versions of themselves, it's not very different from our normal podcast anyway. I mean, technically, this is Digital Us. Uh, What are you talking about? I am totally a dragon in real life. No. No, we've met in real life, remember? No, I'm I'm totally a dragon. You know why? Because I work for scale. Just cue the theme song. There are too many cartoons, but they'll watch them all. The Penny and James can sort of hopefully funny cartoon Hello, everybody. I'm James Irish. And I'm Pembroke W. Corgi. Totally a dragon. Welcome once again to the Pemmy and James kind of sort of hopefully funny cartoon podcast. Emphasis on hopefully. <laughs> and as you probably noticed, this is a bonus episode. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, this is actually a first for us. This is the first internet exclusive animation we've done this is the first cgi slash 3d animation we've done this is the first independently owned australian animation we've done though we've looked at things made in australia before it's a big first yeah probably the most recent thing we've done too to be sure since it only came out this past october jumping on the ball Yes, today's subject is The Amazing Digital Circus from Glitch Productions. What a fitting name. Glitch, as per their website, is an independent Australian animation studio that's been around for roughly four years now, producing media for teens and young adults, mixing whimsy with complex plots and mature themes. It was founded by brothers and YouTube personalities Kevin and Luke Lerdwichigal. Yep, that sounds like an Australian name. And this means something actually positive has finally come out of influencer culture. It's the first time for everything. (laughs) Don't mind my crabby attitude, folks. I'm sure there's more good things that have come out of it. I'm just an old cynic. (laughs) Circus is their fifth production thus far, and so far seems to be taking off. They got merch. Yeah. Now, Pam, do you have any experience with their other productions? No, actually, I don't. This is the first one I've seen. I've heard that there was one of the other ones that I was told I should look into, but I can't remember the name of it at the moment. I'm well prepared. Yeah, this, this is the first for me, too. Uh, would the other one have been Murder Drones, perhaps? Yes, that would be it. Okay, because that one's currently ongoing. Yeah, that one has been suggested that I should take a look at it as well. This one has an aesthetic that took my interest. I'll, I'll just a lot more than I think. A lot of indie animation has lately, but I do enjoy the fact that there is kind of an indie animation boom going on because, which seems to be part of partly due to the fact that a lot of networks and 
uh, streaming services don't want to do independent or original creations these days. Another sad side effect of the rising costs of animation and the increased consolidation of ownership between so very few companies. And people just not really wanting to take risks at all lately. But but hey, it, it could work. I mean, the indie video game market really boomed yeah. and then got overly populated and stagnant. But for the most part, still really nice. So the writer, director, and producer of The Amazing Digital Circus is Gooseworks, spelled with an X, who was previously behind Little Runmo and Has Been Hotel. And their premise for this pilot, hopefully soon to be series, is basically, what if Toy Story, but everyone is a jerk? <laughs> not everyone. Well, not everyone, but that's the rough, that's the rough elevator pitch. So it's, it's like the Black Friday version. What was it called? The Black Friday version of uh, of Toy Story. That one pitch they did where Woody was a jerk. Now, seeing as how this is the pilot we're looking at, and no other full episodes have yet been released. I mean, there's been a trailer, an ad, an ad for some merchandise. That's about it. We're not going to get too much further to the overarching plot than that right this moment. Because we're just going to Dive right in. Yep. Really, all the background we need is not a ton of history here because... It's brand new. Yeah. Similarly, the voice cast will be discussed at the points where they start speaking in the show. So, opening in a front of a uh, traditional red theater curtain, we meet Kane. <laughs> I, I have to give him a lot of props just for the, the lip syncing on this guy because he's literally like a bunch. He's like his head is a set of dentures with eyes in the middle. Giving me some flashbacks to Beetlejuice. Yeah. And his body is a traditional ringmaster's suit. But the fact that his head is literally a set of dentures and he's talking a lot and uh they they can't close it because of his eyes or inside of it. The fact that they're able to make lip sync it to everything he says without ever closing the mouth is actually pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Kane promises us the most jaw-dropping, heart-stopping, mind-bending paraphernalia you've ever laid eyes upon. And the voice of this vocal cordless being is provided by Alex Rochan, a relative newcomer to voice acting, and this could be argued to be his breakout role. He does a good job. Yeah. His sidekick, Bubble, which is a soap bubble with eyes and a fang-filled mouth, looks like something you'd design, actually, Pemmy. <laughs> I, I just saw it in my eye. The first thing that went through my mind is, oh, Pac-Man's hit some hard times. <laughs> actually love Bubble. Mm. Bubble's actually voiced by the creator, Gooseworks. I, I, I love it when creators do that, whenever like one of the creators actually joins in in the voice acting. I always think that's neat. So they resolve to get on with the show, and the other characters are introduced within the theme song, namely Gangle, Zubel, Kinger, Ragatha, Jax, and Kofmo the Clown. The last of them couldn't make it, so a cardboard cutout has to stand in for him. He he gives me huge Cosmo gives me huge vibes of uh, Coco the Clown from the old uh, from the old Flesher shorts. Yeah, I can see that. A little squatter, perhaps, but again, this is only a cardboard cutout, so. Now, amidst all this, a jester-like person with wide eyes suddenly pops in, utterly confused. 
and she proceeds to knock over everyone else, putting the theme song to a halt. Which is also really a nice gimmick, the fact that she literally interrupts the, like, intro. That's that's already going to tell you that this doesn't go through the, this is not your normal show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, Jax, who is a lanky purple rabbit fellow who resembles, to a slight degree, someone whose name rhymes. If he got a whole lot taller. Yeah. Complains that they'll have to redo the whole song if this is someone new to the cast. And Zubel, an abstract collection of shapes and objects formed into a body with arms, legs, and eyes. But I don't think a mouth. Nope. She'd really rather not. I, I love Zubel's design so much. It's literally like all that abstract art from like the late 80s, early 90s, like somehow thrown into a character. So Jax is performed by Michael Kovac, who has worked with Gooseworks before as Angel Dust on Has Been Hotel, and is working for Glitch on the currently running Murder Drones. Zubel, meanwhile, is voiced by Ashley Nichols, and she's also an animator who did cleanup work on the Animaniacs revival. Also did some uh, work on, uh, I think, Hell of a Boss, too. Okay. Now, Kang confirms she's indeed a new character, as the newcomer struggles to get some kind of headgear off. Only she's pulling at her eyes. That seems to imply to me that this is a VR thing. Seems to be the case, because she mentions putting a headset on, and now she's trapped. I also love the use of Hanna-Barbera sound, sound effects in this show. They, they've... Someone got the Hanna-Barbera sound library and had some fun. This confused soul is voiced by Lizzie Freeman, who as a voice actress has been active since 2012 doing fan works, but today is best known as Trish Una in the English dub of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Chizuru in Rent-A-Girlfriend, and so many incidental parts in works ranging from Pokemon to Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Wow. Yeah, she, she's been busy. Heck yeah, Jojo. Ragatha, naturally a ragdoll, tries to calm her down, but uh, the newcomer is having none of it. Ragatha's performer is Amanda Hufford, whose most prolific work is as Hannah Bowden in the fiction podcast Hannahpocalypse. Ragatha gives me mad vibes of the, uh, did you ever see Bump in the Night? I haven't. Oh, it was a claymation cartoon that was in the early 90s, and one of them, one of the characters was a ragdoll, so that was instantly what I thought of when I saw her. Oh, okay. I also had Gilbert Godfrey play a cockroach, because of course. <laughs> Kane scolds the newcomer for her potty mouth. Swearing is not allowed, and each attempt generates a new sound effect. As well as a sensor mark over her mouth. Mm -hmm. Like I said, they're making a lot of use of that Hanna-Barbera sound library. Though... Humorously, saying the Lord's name in vain is not against the rules. So now, the newbie just wants to leave, but she can't, as Ragatha tries to gently tell her, but Jax just rudely interjects with the cold truth. Turns out the crew has been there for years, with Kinger, an out-of-his-mind chess piece in Royal Regalia, having been there the longest. He's a bit unhinged, to say the least. Kanger's performer is Sean Chiplock, who has over 200 credits on IMDb, including Rivali in Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Heck yeah! Spider-Man on Square Enix's ill-fated Avengers game, Noob Cybot in Mortal Kombat 11, and several JoJo's voices. Heck yeah, Rivali. 
the newcomer now believes it all to be a dream, but mm, no. Whatever helps you get through the day. As Jack steps on Gangle's broken comedy mask, he asks what Kane has in mind for the newbie. And before we get to that, Gangle is performed by Marissa Lenti, known for voicing Mose the Gunner in Borderlands 3 and Libra in the anime Fairy Tales English dub. Gangle's design is is kind of great. It's well, she would have a comedy and a tragedy mask, but unfortunately her comedy mask got broken first by when Pomni knocked into everybody and then by Jack's literally stepping on it, much to her dismay. But I, I love that they, they somehow took that, like, you know, the tragedy comedy mask with the ribbon and made it into a physical character. The designs in this are really great. They're very creative. And now the tour begins. Kane explains that the tent is their living quarters and hosts two activities such as dial-up noises. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. When he blue screened and had and the frick, the freaking bod modem sound effect when happened i i laughed my i laughed i lost it yeah this occurs mid-explanation and we only get a couple of the activities on the surrounding grounds are water slides and carnival rides the newbie seems unsure of how small it all is and kane shows her the void where they don't go yep even he doesn't know what's here so he says to stay on the grounds where his hundreds of all-seeing eyes can watch her and be careful, because seemingly the moon is getting frisky. <laughs> yeah, the moon seductively says she loves Kane, which is cute to go back to the tent. But the new girl spots an exit door. What could that be? Well, we don't get an explanation yet. Kane pulls her back into the tent so fast, the poor thing finally vomits from all the warping around. Vomits black tarry substance. Which Bubble licks up. And so the new girl asks about the door. Which no one believes her. Yeah, Jack says he's never seen such a thing as he rips off Zubel's arm to scratch his back. And Zubel proceeds to choke Jack's with it. Good going, Zubel. Kane reassures them there's no exit door, insisting they're digital hallucinations. He, he then kind digital of... Digital hallucinations! <laughs> yeah, digital hallucinations. And then quickly... I was well, waiting for that. Uh, <laughs> Digital hallucinations! After an awkward pause, decides to change the subject about finding out what her name is. Yeah, she can't remember. Kane says that none of them could remember their real names. One of the things he doesn't have control of is their minds. So the name can be whatever they want, barring some rapidly spoken exceptions. You gotta get all that copyright information out of the way. Mm-hmm. Since she can't think of anything... Kane whips down a slot machine, and after some nonsense sounds coming out, they settle on Pomni. Imagine if they went with X. <laughs> Not exactly marketable. <laughs> True. Pomni sounds a lot cuter. With that done, Kane decides it's time for an adventure. You know, to break Pomni in, but one which Zubel can ignore if she desires. I love Zubel. Zubel's so tired and done. <laughs> I I relate. <laughs> Today's adventure, gather the gloinks. The entire tent will be infested with gloinks, which are basic shapes with eyes that steal anything they touch, Katamari Damacy style. As Kane tries to explain it, though, Bubble constantly... <laughs> 
interrupts him with more questions only to get popped. <laughs> with the adventure eventually chosen, Kane vanishes. Ragatha tries to reassure Pomni while Zubel just tries to F out. Unfortunately, that doesn't work out. <laughs> no, she's disassembled by Gloinks and carried off. Oh god, oh jeez! Ragatha suggests checking on the as-yet-unseen Kofmo, while the Gloinks steal Kinger's pillow fortress. My impenetrable fortress! <laughs> Kinger also says Kofmo is insane, constantly ranting about an exit. Same as Pomni, which makes her want to try and figure out what the clown knows. Granted, she also still thinks this is a dream. Yeah. So Jack suggests that he, Ragatha, and Pomni go find Kofmo, while Kinger and Gangle see to Zubel's predicament. This seems to be a bad idea, as the latter is still sad over her mask, and the former is only then aware of the latter's presence. <laughs> Such a great duo to poor Zubel. Yeah. No wonder she's so frustrated and tired and angry. <laughs> Ragatha leads her group down a hall where their rooms are, including Pomni's, who still doesn't understand why go on adventures in the first place. Ragatha explains and, well, we should just use her own words here. Well, we usually do when we first arrive, but after a while you start to realize that you really can't leave and constantly chasing an unattainable goal will start driving you a bit crazy. And eventually you get to asking what the point of anything is and you completely lose sight of who you are and why you're even alive. And when you reach your breaking point, something really terrible can happen. Ah, but that's not something we need to deal with today. She stops as they find Kofmo's door. Poor Pomni is completely blacking out as Jax asks if she still thinks it's a dream. She's having quite the time. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's no answer to the doorbell, but Jax has a key, which he shouldn't have. In fact, he has a key to everybody's room. Yeah, he might have even left a centipede in Ragatha's room. Literally the only thing she's scared of. Jerk. <laughs> so here we get a trope we have not yet encountered anywhere else on the podcast. The room full of crazy. Yeah. Literally, uh, the walls are filled with exit, 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 no way out, exit, 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 exit. A uh, terrifying drawing of Kane chasing Cosmo. And uh, whew, a very... A uh, crazy-looking entity. Yeah, Kofmo's no closer to finding the exit than when he started. He's also an eldritch horror of black energy and random eyes. To which Jax grabs the nearest bowling ball and is like, Oh, thanks for keeping this for you. Uh, see ya! Yeah, he bolts, and Ragatha exposits that Kofmo's gone abstract. This is what happens when you reach your breaking point, it seems. And boy howdy, is he a scary deposit of... Shapes. He yeah. also literally beats the snot out of poor Ragatha. You know, I wonder how many more... No, wait, just a minute! Moments I am before I finally abstract. Well, there's so many, so many more Filmation cartoons we haven't watched yet. Oof. You also note, I won't be invoking that on this show, because it really does run on its own logic. Yep. So, Ragatha suggests grabbing Kane as Kofmo corners her, and Ragatha hurriedly and not convincingly, apologizes for fake laughing at his jokes. The response is a wall-to-wall -wall beating, which has Ragatha starting to glitch out. 
he gets more corrupted than one of the vine sauce streams. Begging for help, she reaches to Pomni, who tries to take her hand, but this causes her hand to glitch too. This causes Pomni, of course, to panic and run. Yeah, she races off into the main part of the tent, and Kofmo crashes to the floor and chases a goink. After a bit of uh, pondering, Pomni runs back to Ragatha while we flip over to see what Kinger and Gangle's doing. They look down a hole where Zubel's screams can be heard from the bottom. Jax arrives, and he just blatantly lies about Kofmo, then tosses the bowling ball to Kinger once he hears the former clown's screams, which sends Kinger and Gangle down the hole, and Jax jumps down to follow on a wild slide. Some Mario 64 flashbacks. After landing through a set of gloink bowling pins and some petty actions from Jax. I, I have to admit, I do like the gag of, like, they missed one pin, so, like, Jax kicks it and the, the, the sign that says spare appears only for Jax to come in and break it. <laughs> that was a nice gag. They spot a massive, two-headed worm thing eating, well, whatever they got. It's the... Gloink Queen, and this is her nest. Back with Pomni, she's searching for Ragatha and finds her in increasingly worse shape. Ragatha accepts her apology and asks her again to find Kane, only neither of them know where he is. So Ragatha suggests calling for him. All she can do is calling for him and just looking around. Yep. So Pomni does, searching door after door and finding increasingly demented things. And being hit by a boxing glove twice. Yeah. The sound of glass shattering does catch her ear, though, and she hopes it's Kane, but instead it's Kofmo. Oh. Back with the gloinks, yes indeed, the biggin is the queen, voiced by Elsie Lovelock, another prolific actress who's been active since 1995. Oh yeah, and Jax is no help. Of course not even as they finally spot pieces of Zubel, who demands that they help her. <laughs> Pretty rude, Zubel. Gangle and Kinger play rock-paper-scissors, and poor Gangle can only ever manage paper. I always lose. Kinger tries to grab Zubel's head, but his hands are disembodied. Did we mention that? Well, we did now. <laughs> He's got Rayman hands. And Zubel is pissed. Yeah, because unfortunately his ability to grab her did not help at all. <laughs> As Zubel's head is eaten, we spot a gloink start to glitch. Huh. King, are you mother? <laughs> Poor Pomni, meanwhile, is still running for her life and spots her reflection in the mirror. It's finally starting to sink in that this might be more than a dream before she resumes running. I, I do want to say something about Pomni's design. It, it is kind of a cute but basic gesture design, but I love how they did her eyes. To actually, her eyes are also match her outfit, plus kind of look like the overhead of a big top. You know, I wonder why they didn't name her Lucy. Probably because she's not in the sky with diamonds, but she certainly has kaleidoscope <laughs> eyes. <laughs> nice. Finding a barrel, she thinks it's a hiding spot. But of course, it's filled with toy monkeys. But they work as a good distraction for Cosmos so that she can get away. Yeah. And as she resumes her search for Kane, suddenly there it is. The exit. She walks into a dilapidated waiting room 
where there's another the exit. And another room with another the exit. This one leads to a storage closet. It looks like, it literally looks like some sort of, like, abandoned, well, it's not abandoned, but it's like an empty office building. Pomni realizes she's lost as the exit in the tent dissolves. So, naturally, we go back to the Gloink Queen, who is still ranting at the others that everything must be Gloinks, all the way up to God. This is weird. (laughs) Yeah, that's what Jack says. And the queen protests, he's still watching. Which he almost gives away the thing he's been lying about, but... Sudden Cosmo crash! Landing right on the queen, which makes her burp out Zubal's head. Poor Zubal. (laughs) As the group react in their expected fashions, Zubal points out the exit, which is a perfectly reasonable escalator. You get another scene of Jax being a jerk as they go up the escalator. Yeah. Pomni is still racing through the abandoned office building through one exit after another. She's starting to crack even further from her exasperation until she spots an old, moldy computer and starts to cackle. And then she takes another exit over a C&A logo. Hmm. Arriving at a long hallway, it starts to creak and warp around Pomni, but she reaches the last, the exit, and goes into the void. Man, that, that scene gives me some uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey flashbacks. As an orchestra and chorus swells as she floats through it, Pomni, nope. Suddenly we cut to Kane and Bubble, just laughing and chatting in a very posh restaurant. And his wacky watch, only 1995! <laughs> so, yep, it goes off, alarming him to Pomni being in the void. I also like that the phone number's wingdings. It's like one eight hundred forty paper mailbox hourglass mouse phone. <laughs> Kane teleports to the void and teleports Pomni back to the tent. Then he just simply deals with Kaufman the same way he deals with every abstraction. There's a reveal. Throws them in the cellar. There's a lot of them. Which makes you wonder how long this has been going on. And then he restores Ragatha to her natural state. Zubal observes that she thought Kinger would be the next to go. And then Jax says, well, you can't depend on Kinger for anything. Yep. (laughs) Which I like that Kinger's like, thank you. (laughs) Kane apologizes for lying about the exit, saying he hadn't finished what comes afterward. And he doesn't like people seeing unfinished work. Which, you know, this does kind of show a nice side the cane and the fact that he's trying he's supposedly trying to create that though he doesn't seem to understand exactly why they want it well meaning but not understanding yeah and so he rewards the group for completing the adventure with a digital feast which kinger observes they don't really need but you know that's beside the point because pomni is positively gone she is definitely losing it It's finally sunk in that she's trapped in this circus as we zoom out into the grounds, then the void, and then the computer we spotted earlier. Huh. And then the amazing digital circus in gold. And over the course of the about a month and a half that this has been available, the amazing digital circus has spawned a lot of speculation, creativity, and other lunacy. And merch. Yeah. 
I've counted at least a dozen YouTube videos from various animation content creators speculating, analyzing, and the like. I haven't had time to watch any, though. But boy, YouTube was quick to recommend them to me. <laughs> I think one of the neatest things about this, though, is, and it could be just the fact that they're using a lot of, like, subtle, sort of subtle, 80s and 90s kind of, like, imagery in it. But it, despite being something I've never seen before, it manages to still have a feeling of nostalgia to it. Again, probably because of a lot of the late 80s, early 90s kind of inspirations. Very, like, kind of in 64 feeling in some spots. Mm-hmm. So, hey, we recommend you give this a look. Just type in Amazing Digital Circus on YouTube, and you can watch it for free at any time. And I I definitely hope they get to make more, because I want to see where this goes, and I want to see more of these characters. Same. Same. The one thing we can add is that we have heard that they plan to do a different design for Zubal each time. Since she's kind of a modular toy figurine sort of thing, which that's going to make me drawing fan art for her like really hard. <laughs> or really easy, because you can just draw your own version. There you go. Yeah, because I got to say, Zubal's my favorite character. I kind of, she didn't get as much screen time as, I wish she got more screen time in this because I, I love her, but she, she's, I love her design. Because like I said, it's it's very much that that like kind of, like abstract late 80s, early 90s pop art that was really popular, stuff like Trapper Keepers and stuff, somehow made into a physical form. <laughs> Not to mention the modular toy aspect is actually really neat too. Um, I love her voice. I love how just done she sounds. She's so, she just sounds tired, frustrated, and done. Mm. <laughs> also liked, uh, I, Bubbles great. Almost every line I think Bubbles says is hilarious. And uh, Gangle's great. I just want to give her a hug. I feel bad yeah, for her. Yeah, I, I want to give Gangle a hug, too. I especially want to give Pomni a hug. She, she needs one. She badly needs one. And I want to slap Jax. Yeah, he seems to be one of the fan favorites, though. Him and Pomni. Mm. They even have plushes of them. Uh, I'm waiting for a Zubal plush or figurine. Thank you. I'm not even sure I'm going to buy any merch for this yet. But uh, we'll see. I might buy a shirt. I'm I'm be honest. I kind of want to support them in some shape or form because, you know, I want to see more. Yeah. Probably where a lot of their funding is going to come from, considering unless they get somebody to sponsor them. Too true. But I guess that just about wraps this one up. All right. Again, highly recommend checking it out. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Folks, we will see you actually next week. Gasp. And we're going to... Geez, we, we only just restocked the breakfast cereal last week. I don't even think we need to do that this time. Don't worry, James. I managed to find a big stock of leftover Halloween cereals that weren't sold at the local discount store. I think we're good. Okay. I hope you like Carmilla Creeper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. See ya. The preceding podcast is a co-production of the Mighty Monkey Corporation and Artificial Orange Studios. The theme song is written, composed, and performed by Shawn Michael Smith.